praise the Lord. You may be seated. It is good to have all of our visitors, all of our guests, and uh, we are glad that all of you are here. We are going to have uh, hot dogs and uh, chips and, and drinks, uh, and as well as candy and some games, so don't forget that fall festival this afternoon at um, about one o'clock, we're going to try to get started. And I know that doesn't give a lot of time. That means that I've got to uh, hurry up and get through with all that I'm going to say. I uh, <coughs> want to uh, again thank the seniors and those that have been working in the kitchen and for services and funerals and uh, get-togethers and I think we have a, a dinner coming up in a, a little bit but um, uh, we do next week fall back as far as I remember is that correct I'm supposed to hold the platform and lean way back uh, as tradition and say it's fall back Sunday I think next week so don't forget set your uh, clocks back and that means that um, if you get here and it doesn't look like people are here yet they may be coming or uh, if you get here uh, anyway um, however it works just if you put your phone by your bed it'll switch for you at two o'clock in the morning anyway so don't worry about it <laughs> but we're glad to be in the house of the Lord. We are growing apostolic legacy, and I'm going to preach on how to increase my joy. And I, I am going to take it from, uh, uh, actually, I began studying the book of Philip, Philippians, and um, the, uh, uh, because some in the class had asked about doing a study on the book of Philippians, and I got into sort of reading the book of Philippians and again and looking at the book of Philippians, and I, I, I realized that uh, there was uh, just a lot of good things in there, and I'm going to be teaching on Monday night uh, out of the book of Philippians, and it's uh, Zoom, so you can log in or you can uh, <coughs> get the uh, uh, podcast or whatever else they do. I don't know, but uh, <coughs> anyway, uh, the point is you can log in and get the, the pages and things as we sort of dive into the book of Philippians, and I... I uh, I got to looking at it, and, and the book of Philippians is about joy, and Paul actually kind of gives the secret in the first few verses of Philippians on how to increase joy. Of course, Paul was not the only one that wrote about joy and about increasing joy and having a, an amazing amount of joy. Uh, actually, uh, if you will, uh, look, <coughs> the uh, 
you, you look at uh, the book of First Peter, the first chapter, the sixth through the ninth verses. He says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice, have joy, though now in a, for a season, if, you need, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So Simon Peter wrote that it may be that right now you don't feel very joyful, but you greatly rejoice. Now that seems a little strange, yet Simon was writing, you greatly rejoice even if you're going through it. And he, he goes on to say that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto what? Praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So what he said that the Lord wants from us is to see us praising and honoring and glorifying him when he returns. Now, that's, a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of course, words, you know, there's no joy in Mudville and when the, your team loses or when things happen, it's easy to, you know, uh, get very down, get very overwhelmed and yet, Simon Peter continues to write, whom, not having, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet you keep believing and you rejoice. And then he uses that phrase with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Now that's tough. It's hard to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I'm overwhelmed. I, you don't understand the things that have happened. But then he says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Now, I, I realize that I mentioned that Paul was in prison in Rome probably when he wrote this book of Philippians. He was not in a joyful place. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a federal prison that had nice, um, you know, racquetball courts or pickleball courts or, or uh, places for family visitation or whatever. This was, their prisons of that time were not things that were nice and clean and relaxing and all, all of the above. And yet he wrote one of the most joyful books of the New Testament and the words to the saints at Philippi. Now, I, what he talked about what would increase his joy during such a stressful, depressing, overwhelming time. And he opens his letter by, uh, in the third verse, by what was in his mind, what was in his heart, and what was in his mouth. Those are the three areas. What's in your mind? What's in your heart? And what's in your mouth? And I, I, I realize that in this hour, you know, there actually some of the things that Paul wrote about, you know, we find joyful today. 
um, you know, it's uh, joyful when you have fellowship. And he was writing to the saints at Philippi, and, you know, he was talking about having, remembering things that they did together, whether it's going on a senior outing or whether it's going on a favorite trip. And I, I don't know, our um, my apparatuses, I, I don't know if they happen to yours, but uh, I have an iPad and an iPhone, and, and every once in a while, it'll just shoot up pictures of uh, family vacation or a trip to whatever, Australia, or uh, last October, and, you know, has pictures that I've taken on my device. And uh, to be candid with you, it's kind of a little bit joyful. I stop and I look and I go, man, Siobhan's surely grown up five years, and I've gotten so much better looking. <laughs> Those folks have sure gotten old. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, my. Now, maybe you've never done that. Maybe your device, and I don't know how, if somebody set my device to do that or if it just on its own wants to be joyful and remind me of these wonderful little occasions that have happened, and I, maybe that's, you know, the, the only thing. And I, I got up this morning, and I, 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 I have to confess, I, I, I started reading about Matthew Perry, who was an actor who played on Friends, and it, toward the end of his career, he started making a million dollars an episode, and all of those actors made mega millions, and he he passed away at the age of 54 just yesterday or the day before or whatever and died not, he wasn't on drugs or alcohol. He's battled a lot of that. In fact, in his own words, he'd spent over $9 million trying to get clean. He'd turned one of his houses over into Perry House so that he could help alcoholics because he was just talking about his, this addiction cycle. And in his own words, in a book he was trying trying to get published, he said, I had about eight months that I felt on top of the world, and then I plunged back down into being overwhelmed and no joy, and I turned to alcohol. I got hurt in a ski boat accident. I turned to Vicodin. I started my pattern of drug and alcohol abuse, and he's been clean about a year and a half, and yet he died, I guess they think, from cardiac arrest in his hot tub. Uh, <clears throat> however, yesterday maybe it was, day before, whatever. And I was reading that, and I was reading because I, I, I was never, I, I saw some episodes of Friends, maybe all of you have seen an episode of Friends or two, and I, I didn't really follow all the actresses or actors, and I didn't know them all, but I, I was thinking, imagine the amount of money and the amount of cachet and the ability to go into a restaurant and say, I want a table. And because of who you are, you would be ushered to the best table in the house. And yet, he, in his own words, said, that didn't bring me joy. Imagine making a million dollars an episode. 
And that didn't bring me joy. I can't imagine making a million. Well, if y'all get together, we could have a million dollars in the offering as you go out today. No, I'm kidding. It's not going to bring the kind of joy that is lasting joy. This was a joy that was a man was experiencing in a hole in the city of Rome, and I've seen some of the places they've excavated. They just threw them down in there, and, you know, everything that ran through the city streets ran down through where you were, and there was just a hole. There were no plumbing facilities, and they threw food down there, and, and you know, you didn't know. Are they going to let you out today? Are they going to let you out tomorrow? You didn't have an attorney to call and say, look, I've been in here 24 hours. It's kind of like getting diagnosed with a sickness and you just get hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered. Huh? When's it going to stop? When's it going to let up? When am I going to get through with this? I just want to get out. I don't want to be here. I didn't ask for this. All I was trying to do was preach the gospel. And yet Paul writes this amazing book on joy. Let, let's start diagnosing it, just uh, dissecting it and rather and uh, looking at some of, some of it. Starting in Philippians, the first chapter, third verse. In my class, I'll talk about the first two verses. But here it is. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you uh, is going to uh, perform it until the day of Jesus Christ even as it is meet for me to think this of you all. Here's what is in his mind. Here's what he's thinking about. When am I going to get out of here? When's this going to be over? When am I going to be allowed to go preach the gospel again? This is frustrating. This is not what I bargained for. This is not what I expected. This is not what I asked for. This is what he's thinking about. Huh? No. I'm thinking about how rough my life is right now. I'm thinking about how, and all of a sudden, ping, his iPad goes off and he sees some pictures that he took in Philippi. That's in Acts, the 16th chapter. Remember? That's when he got thrown in jail there. <laughs> Remember? In Philippi. And he starts thinking about the saints in Philippi. And he starts remembering that God is going to do a work in those people. And he is going to bring them into maturity. He starts thinking. And he uses the phrase, you all. That's why it makes me think Paul was Southern. Because he says, y'all. Well, I, I keep thinking of y'all, y'all, y'all. About nine times he uses that phrase. You all, you all, you all. Every one of them. Now, I can 
can't imagine. Imagine, oh, well, maybe I can think of one, I can think of, well, I can think of so-and-so, but imagine trying to collectively think of all the saints that are in Philippi, and he says, I'm still believing that God is going to complete the work. He could have thought about how, how much persecution he was under. He could have thought about the people that were spreading lies about him, how when he got there, the, the magistrates in Philippi literally ripped his clothes off and they started beating him, accusing him of, of being all kinds of stirring up problems and they sent him to prison and he put his feet in stocks and the Bible says that about midnight, Paul and Silas, huh? In Philippi, started saying, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. What are you doing? I'm thinking about how good God is. I'm thinking about what good God has done. If you think about all the negative stuff in your life, you're going to end up fighting every kind of frustration and depression and despondency. But it's time to say, I'm going to think about how good God's been to me and how good it is to be part of a body. And he was thinking about all those saints. I don't know if he thought about the jailer. I don't know if he thought about going to the house of Lydia. The Bible doesn't really let us know exactly all the things that Paul was thinking about. But what we do know is that his thoughts, his thinking, his mind, his, his, his imagination, everything was on. You know what? I, 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 I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that I know this group of believers. I'm so thankful that I know a group of people. I'm so thankful that there's a group there that are trying to connect with God. I am so thankful. When's the last time you thought about how powerful God has been to the church? Oh, you don't know what we've suffered. You don't know how good God's been. It's easy to say, well, he didn't do this and he didn't heal that and he didn't do this and that one's struggling and this one's struggling and before you struggle, struggle, might overwhelm, struggle. Oh. God's doing things in the midst. We're seeing folks get baptized. We're seeing folks pray through. We're seeing prayers answered. We're seeing things that are happening. Oh, I know oh, it was about maybe, I'm sorry, Sister Tabitha, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. There was about a, a year or two years ago when she wrote a prayer request. I want to see God move in my family. Last Sunday night, a nephew came. Oh, good to see Jesse up here. There was a time I was wishing that she could just walk in the back door and she's singing a song. God's doing some good things. God's doing some good things. God's doing some great things. God's doing great things. You say, well, but I wanted this and I wanted that and I didn't want this and I didn't want to be here. Okay, I'm sorry, but think about the goodness of God. When I think about his goodness and all he's done for me. Huh? And that's what Paul and Silas were doing at midnight in Philippi thinking about the goodness and they started dancing and all of a sudden the stocks just fell off and the doors opened wide. 
Read it in Acts the 16th chapter. So, you know, he, he learned this how to, how to think like this. You go on in Philippians, the fourth uh, chapter, and if you would, were to read ahead in the sixth verse, Paul reiterates it and nails it down when he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise, think on these things and the God of peace shall be with you. I know it's not easy to discipline yourself, make yourself think about all those things. But after Paul revealed about what he was thinking about, he then talked about his emotional state. You know, and he goes on, verse 7, the first chapter, even it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my, I have you in my heart. I'm emotionally connected. I've opened my heart I don't, I don't like, I don't want to open myself up to anybody. I don't want to be connected to anybody. I don't want anybody in my I want to tell you something. That's what's going to give you strength. That's why you say, we need a pastor. We need a church. We need a body. You say, well, I've got friends. I've got something about the body of Christ. He said, in as so much, in as much as both in my bonds and in my, and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all, and then he uses this phrase, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He should have been filled with anger, with frustration, with depression, with hopelessness, with helplessness, with worry about what was going to happen. He should have been filled with bitterness, I can name you a lot of things that he should have dealt with. But you know what? Paul loved the body. He loved the all. And surely there had to be some folks in that group of believers that Paul didn't like. I can't imagine that he got along with everybody. I'm sure there had to be somebody that frustrated him. And yet Paul couldn't think and write about one bad thing. He stated that he had all of them in his heart. Now, I realize that we're living in an hour with having these connections. And, you know, I can have a thousand friends and they don't know me. They know me this much. I can have... Of this many followers, and I can have a this, but there's something about getting connected to a group of people that know you every day, have had some history with you, huh? And that's what Paul was talking about. And, and notice how he used the phrase, uh, he said, out of, I love you through the bowels of Jesus Christ. 
He used something very similar when he talked to the church at Ephesus, the third chapter of the first verse. He said, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now, what did he mean by that? He was saying, the Lord called me, he filled me with his spirit, I was buried in his name, and he did it so that I could be connected to some believers that were around the world as I went and preached the gospel. I am the prisoner to them, of Jesus Christ to them. I don't love them with my own strength. I love them through the bowels of Jesus Christ because Jesus loved them. I love them. Well, I don't really care for that person and I don't really want to, I don't really want to be around. I, I'm not asking you to go spend Thanksgiving with but you got to open yourself up to let the love of Jesus flow through you. That's why he called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Oh, I understand if it's just me and my wife and my children and my grandchildren, but even they sometimes get on my nerves. I'm just being honest. Sorry. I mean, I have to drive in all kind of weather, get up at all kind of hours to go take my wife to the airport or pick her up. Pitiful. <laughs> and she's always so sweet. Thank you so much for doing this. And I'm thinking, I want to do this because I love with the bowels of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wanted to set my alarm at four in the morning drag out of bed. John wrote it like this, my chill, little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts, our emotions before him. Because if our heart condemns us, God is greater then our heart and knows all things. But if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now what are you saying? What he was saying is that there needs to be a love that flows from the throne of grace through us for one another, for the church, for each other. Now you say, and I know, Sometimes people have taken advantage of that. Oh, you need to love me and you need to, you need to put up with what I'm doing. That's not, let me, let me just go forward here. First Peter, the fourth chapter, the eighth through the 10th verses. And above all things, have fervent charity, fervent love. Where? Among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitudes of sins. Use hospitality to one another without grudging. Well, I invited them and all they did, they didn't, they didn't. Use hospitality to one another without grudging as every, no, notice this is the key. As every man hath received the gift, 
Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you did not receive the gift of the Holy Ghost free of charge, even when you were a sinner, even when you were unlovable, even when you had been a rotten individual, if you did not feel the grace and mercy of God, then it's impossible for you to love through the bowels of Jesus Christ. But if you think back about how many times the Lord has looked at you and overlooked your faults, and has overlooked what you have done and overlooked your own attitude and your own, how can I not be kind? How can I not be forgiving? You don't understand. He's done so much for me. I am a steward. I have the manifold grace. I feel so much love. I, 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 I will be honest, and I, 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 I never met Matthew Perry. I have no idea, but as I read the article, my heart broke. I'm thinking, here is a man who has struggled for years for the delivering power of the gospel. I don't, I'm sure maybe he thought of it, tried it, I don't know, but I'm thinking, you know what? I know a God that could have set him free. I know a God that could have broken the addictions. I know a God that if he could have found a church, whether it was 10 people or 10,000 people of people that genuinely loved and cared and could have wrapped their arms around him and prayed for him, I'm surely he could have found relief somewhere for a troubled soul that ended up, uh, not that he didn't have drugs in his system today, but ended up killing himself through stuff that he shouldn't have been having in the first place. We have the manifold grace of God. That's why when Paul wrote the letter in Corinthians and he talks about the love chapter and he says, love, charity, seeketh not her own, is not puffed up, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Wow. Do I have that kind of love? No, then you know what I need to get in my emotions? A little more love from God. Let me tell you how to fight, increase your joy is to go back and get a little more love from God. What kept filling his mouth in the ninth verse, we see it, Philippians, the first chapter. And this I pray, this I pray, this I pray. What are you praying for? I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for healing for Brother Tim. I'm praying for healing for Brother Reagan. I'm praying for healing for Brother Todd. He's got facing all kinds of situations physically. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for healing. But you know what? Paul did not mention one person he was praying for for healing. He later talks about Epaphrodites or whatever later on in the book. We'll talk about it in our class. But here's what he prayed. He said, I pray that your love may abound, may grow yet more and more in 
knowledge and in all judgment. In other words, I'm not asking you to have love is blind. You know, oh, I just love them and it doesn't matter how they act and it doesn't matter what they do. And they just tell me they're, oh. That's not mature love. This baby, she has no discernment. I could put a poison spoon in front of her and you know what she's going to do with it? Huh? As she gets older, she's going to say da-da or mama. And you know what? Everybody's going to be da-da and mama. Huh? Anybody that walks is going to be da-da mama. And then as she grows some more, uh, no, that's Dada, that's Mama. Huh? And then, you know, everything's going to be a, a dog. Doesn't matter if it's a cat, it's going to be a dog. If it's a dog, it's going to be a dog. If it's a rat, it's going to be a dog. A bow wow, right? And as you get older, you grow in knowledge and judgment. And hopefully she'll be able to figure out, I don't know. I mean, my children right now to this day have disobeyed me daily. I taught them not to ever go in the street. They drive to work. What are you saying? I'm saying as the maturity level begins to increase, you understand, you get a little more discernment, you get a little more knowledge, but he says that you may approve all things that are excellent, that you may be, what's the first key word? Sincere and without offense. He says, what I start praying for is, please, don't let them be offensive. Please, don't let them, let them be sincere. Please, please, Lord, let their love grow. Let them get more discernment. Let them get more knowledge. Let them get more judgment. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of our Lord. Paul, you, you have to understand, Paul was so not so foolish as to think that this was just, you know, blind love, but his prayer was that it would abound in this knowledge and judgment. And I know, I understand, we pray and we send out prayer alerts for sickness and prayer alerts for individuals that need prayer. And I, I in fact, it goes, and uh, Brother Collins sent me one, and I was on my way to pick up my wife, and I, I, I got back, and I forgot to send it out. I'll send out another prayer alert for uh, 
Brother Collins, you sent it to me. You called me. I was on the phone or sent me a text. And I was, I was in that car where I could answer. And I understand that. But you know what Paul's prayer was? Here's my prayer. Lord, let them grow in love. Let them grow. Let them feel the love of God. Let them grow. Why? Ephesians, he writes, for this cause, I bow my knees. This is why I'm praying unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded, what? In love. That's what I need to pray. When's the last time you pray? Oh Lord, fill so and so with the love of God. Fill, fill them with the love of God. Fill pastor with the love of God. He needs a whole lot of it. Fill sister Shoshan with the, huh? Well, call me if you're running a fever. Let me tell you, that's great, but I need to be praying every day. That's what should be on my mouth. Lord, don't let so-and-so fail of the love of God. Don't let them fail of the grace of God. Don't let them fail. Let them see how good God's been to them. You know what? It doesn't seem like it, but it will increase your joy when you are praying that they be filled. He said that they may be able to comprehend with all saints Oh, if they could just know how good, how broad God is, how length, how depth, the height, the width, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The only way you can pray that is that you are feeling that kind of love. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, for the perfecting, he talks about, he gave apostles and pastors and teachers and all that for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of faith unto the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and the slight of men, cutting craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in. Say, so, well, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I understand, and I understand there's sometimes you may not say anything. But Lord, I pray we reach a point where somebody can talk in love and then not be offended. Oh God, help us. Which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. What are you saying? We need joints. What does your joint do? What does your joint do? What does your elbow joint, what does your knee joint do? What does your wrist joint do? Huh? Bends? 
It's flexible. It connects this hard bone with this hard bone. Huh. It allows it to be pulled this way. Oh, Lord, give our body joints that can be flexible and supply strength that the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. How? In love. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By If you want to know how to pray, if you want to know how to think, if you want to know how to speak, what's got to be in your heart, you got to stay full of the love of God, full of the Holy Ghost. If you want to increase your joy, you start praying for the body to begin to edify itself in love. I want, I want, I want the church to start loving one another like never before. You say, well, we love each other. I know you do. I'm not talking bad. I'm telling you what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And he was talking about, this is what gives me strength, is to know that there's a group of people that genuinely love one another. Not fake, not pretend, not in word, but indeed, baptize us with the Holy Ghost so that we can have a sincere and genuine love for each other. And while Paul was in jail in Rome, I don't know if he thought about Acts 16 when he was in jail in Philippi. I don't know. Could have made him depressed, Lord. I've been in here longer than I was in Philippi. I just went there one night. And you shook the prison. I've been in here a year. I've been in here 18 months. I've been in here 10 weeks. I have no idea when I'm, it's going to be anything heard. You know what? I remember some saints in Philippi. Oh, I thank you for them, Lord. I know you are going to perform a work in them. I know you are going to bring them all the way into maturity. I thank you, Lord. I'm going to praise you. I feel an overwhelming sense of joy. I feel an overwhelming sense of emotional release of the joy of the Lord. How? In the midst of that hole in the ground, the Holy Ghost began to flood down. And he began to say, oh, Lord, baptize them with love. Baptize them with your spirit. I know you're going to do so. Oh, hallelujah. And he wrote a book, and you're going to read, and if you come or listen to the class, you're going to read how much joy he had in his words in the midst of a horrible, overwhelming situation. He felt translated out of that hole into heavenly places just for a moment as he hollered up and said, take these words down to Philippi 
to the church there, to all that are there. Let them know there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let's stand.